all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. You're listening to a podcast of Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning. This is Relatively Speaking, the show all about you and your family. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Medical Center, and so happy you're here with us today. So we're talking about play today. When you were small, what did you do for fun? How much time did you spend outside in just that free play after school, on the weekends, or or then really in the summer? Do you remember playing outside in the summer until it was just too dark to see? I do, and I remember dreading having to come inside. So I guess the questions we want to discuss today are your children so plugged in to the electronic diversion that they have now, either on those computers, on those smartphones, or or just on the TV, that they've lost their connection to the natural world. So today, we'll talk about the importance of play and why we're going to tell you today that we really need to promote that free play. We want to hear what's going on in your life, so really do want you to jump in, share your comments and experiences with us this morning about those free play times in your life and what you do to promote it. You can call one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or you can send an email to family at mpbonline dot org if you don't want to call in. This is relatively speaking. All right. Well, I want to tell you, our listeners, a little bit about there's been a lot written over the last probably 10 or 15 years about the value of play. And I'm not sure if individuals have taken note like I wish they would, because I do believe this is a really, really important uh, point about, oh, gosh, um, 10 or 15 years ago, a man, Richard Louvre, wrote a book uh, called The Last Child in the Woods. And he and his book speaks of something he called nature deficit disorder and the perils of it. And I'm going to quote from his book. He says, the children and nature movement is fueled by this fundamental idea. The child in nature is an endangered species. And the health of children and the health of the earth are inseparable. Now, I thought that was pretty incredibly profound. The health of children and the health of the earth are inseparable. Um, And I think 
as we go through this discussion today, this as we we talk about what we're talking about and why in the heck play, just free play in children might make a difference in our Earth's outcome. Um, but uh, as you as you think through it, we won't talk about why right now. But as you think through it, um, I bet you can come up with the answer yourselves. So. Um, today, I'm excited to have a partner in this show today, Dr. John Gaudet, who is a pediatrician. He's a general pediatrician in Hattiesburg, down south from us. And um, he is also the president of our Mississippi chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics. And he's an awesome child advocate. Um, I can truly say everything that, John, you do is um, is in in the, the hope of improving the, the lives of children. So thank you, John, and thank you for being here with us today. Thank you, Susan. Happy to be here. Great. So um, what I wanted to do today... Um, is is throw out a few questions, um, talk a little bit about play, and then, um, Dr. Gaudet, I want to pull you in to talk about the real specifics of what we're talking about. So here are some questions. What is the big deal? Why do we even need to talk about it? Um, kids play, right? Don't they? Um, how can it be so essential to learning and who we become? And then the other question I'm sending out to our listeners is, do you remember what you played? Does it have anything to do with what you do now? Um, I know in in my family it does. Um, my husband is, um, as as I talk to him about, his play. I, I talked to several people, and then I just reflected on play. And my husband, um, when he was growing up, loved walking through pastures in the woods and just inspecting everything. He would um, dam up ditches and make his own little ponds and, and um, lakes. He, he would build roads and um, have his army men going through the roads. And, um, and he loved Lincoln Logs and would build Lincoln Logs. Well, guess what he does today? He's a landscape architect and a land developer. Um, and I call him a, a tree-hugging developer because he so appreciated every tree and, and every bush. And so, you know, that that makes a huge difference. Um, I, I have a daughter who loved to draw and um, would go outside and take photographs of every single thing. Well, she's a photojournalist now. So I think sometimes we shape... Um, who we are by what we do when we're very young. And Michelle, I, I know um, you and I have talked about what you do now, right? We talk about it candidly. Uh, Liz and I were in here in the um, other side of the studio talking about what we did when we were young. Um, I won't tell her story. It's kind of funny, Liz. <laughs> oh, wait. We need to hear it. It was funny. Liz Gill wanted to be a Charlie's Angel. She... Oh. <laughs> I love it. Can you imagine Liz with a gun and going after bad guys? I can see it. But me, I was telling her that I believe uh, wholeheartedly what you guys are talking about today, what you pretended to be and what you um, 
played and how you played when you were young is innately who you want to be as an adult. I pretended I was on a stage all the time with a microphone in my hand, a brush or anything was a microphone. I auditioned for APAC Theater in third grade. So, of course, I was in theater starting from third grade beyond, but I've always pretended to be on someone's stage talking and everyone knows what I, what do I do? Yep. <laughs> That's what I do. And it's funny how I didn't uh, go far from what I wanted to be when I was younger and I ask teenagers and young adults today if they're my servers at a restaurant, if they're in high school with my daughter, what did you want to be when you were a little kid in, in in preschool pretending to be. That is, to me, what you really want to do. Now, you may go out and, you know, do a, have another career, but, you know, the lawyer who loves to bake and has that passion for baking, and she used to have her Easy Bake Oven, and she baked right. everything, but she's a lawyer today. She really wants to be that baker. And I say, you can be a lawyer, you can be a doctor, but that passion, that innate feeling of what I did when I was three years old, that's to me, that's when you're not working. You you have a career and you have a passion and you get up every day and yeah. do what you love. But what's hel- what helps to develop that passion? And as we, we talk through this, and John, I think um, this is something as every time I think about this topic, and I've thought about this for, for many years, that that value of free play, that value of pretend play. Let's talk about your thoughts on that. And then I want to talk about another um, pediatrician and great writer who has written on this topic, too. But let's so are we talking about is structured play the same thing as free play? Um, what do you think? Well, I think that's a great point, Susan. And, and back to what Michelle was saying about the, the way you play and how you develop in terms of your interests, even your career. Obviously, not every career has a form of play, but it's pretend play. Like if you're playing teacher or building, that's, you know, you're mimicking the adult world, the adult experience and that type of play. And that's generally unstructured. Right. Um and even if it is unstructured play, I think you're learning to learn that you, you may not be in your eventual career. You may not be needing to know exactly. Uh, you may not be learning skills that you're going to use in your job. Right. But you are. But you're learning about how to experience the world. When you talk about going outside, I mean, just playing in the mud, which sounds. Uh, you know, like most parents would roll their eyes. Oh, no, you know, we've got a mess on our hands. But there is a lot going on. There's there. a lot going on with the feeling of texture mm-hmm. and right. how you can make it mm-hmm. um, harder or softer, mm-hmm. how you can form and how mm-hmm. if it has too much water in it, mm-hmm. it won't take form. You know, we were on the beach um, a couple of weeks ago with two of our grandchildren and they wanted to build a sandcastle. Mm-hmm. And. And we had this long discussion about, well, if you have too much water in it, it won't come out of the bucket, mm-hmm. right, to make the form. If you don't have enough water in your sand, then what happens? It doesn't stick together enough. And so it just all drizzles down into, you know, the the dry sand again. And so... Um, you know, we had a discussion about that, and and then we stepped away and let them figure out their formula that would work. 
in the sand. The same thing goes for mud. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you do. In free play, you get, you get to experiment even with uh, building blocks. And it doesn't have to be expensive toys. We, ha- we had some work done. Um, not too long ago, and and there were some leftover pieces of two by two, and uh, my husband and my son chopped them up into to blocks. And so, what have the grandkids done? They've spent a lot of times building their structures with that. Now, a couple of them learned pretty quickly that you have to have a right kind of base, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. Um, to take the load of the upper walls they were trying to build. But if we step back and let them do it and let the blocks fall down and let them start over. It's all scraps. All scraps mm-hmm. cost virtually nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they played with it for hours. And so I think... Um, we need to remember unstructured free, free play um, helps you problem solve. It helps you create your own things. It helps you maybe work together with another child to figure out the cooperative mm-hmm. play is so important. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, we're going to take our first break. And when we come back, we'll tell you about Dr. Kins- Ginsburg and some of his work in resilience and play. And we'll talk more with Dr. John Godet about play. But we want to hear from you. What did you do? What did you play when we were young? Did it form any memories, any great memories? Did it shape who you are today? You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking, and we'll be right back. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. There's a world in my mind where I can go Anywhere I want Anytime I want And every face I see Is one I know My heart beats fast But I'm no Welcome back, and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, here with Dr. John Gaudet. Um, and we are talking today about the value of play, the value of free play, and, and what that really means and what it does for you and, and for that child who's engaging in play, um, creative, imaginative, just whatever they want to play. Um, So play helps, uh, according to many researchers, helps to nurture imagination and give a child a sense of adventure. They learn essential skills. They learn to problem solve. And you know what? They learn how to work with others and to share 
with others. So it can be playing ball games. It can be dancing. It can be running. It can be building a fort or building a sandcastle, um, whatever they want. Um, uh, Dr. Ken Ginsberg, um, from uh, an article, uh, he's, a, he's a man I've known for a long time, a great also child advocate, wrote in Pediatrics, that's the Journal of the American Academy of Pediatrics, um, in an article that was published in 2007 about play. And it's a great article, and I have the reference. We'll have that reference online. I would encourage all of you um, to, to look at it. He talks about how if, if children um, are allowed to use their own creativity, um, and they develop better dexterity, better, better physical skills, better thinking skills, and emotional strength. They can master their world better, and it encourages resiliency because they learn if they fail, if they try it again, maybe it'll work the next time. So... So many good lessons in that. Um, let's go to our first caller. We have um, Mary in Meridian. Hi, Mary. Thanks for calling in. Well, thank you. Um, I just wanted to share, when I was a little girl, because I'm 62 now, my grandparents constantly played dominoes with me. Oh, wow. And I just remember I uh, had so much fun being with them, but... Also, it taught me really good math skills. <laughs> yeah, I bet it did. And I was able to, you know, math was always easy for me. And taught me different games. And now I'm retired. And I've learned to play duplicate bridge. And that came pretty easy to me just because of they taught me as a little bitty girl how to play different games. And I just have such wonderful memories. That's and you know what, um, Mary, you're bringing up a very, very old game that's very inexpensive. But you're right; it teaches patience, it teaches math skills, it teaches that yeah, you can fail if you just jiggle too much or move too much, and everything falls down. Well, right? <laughs> uh, have you well, ever played? I'm, I'm talking about the kind of dominoes you can only count your points. They're multiples of five, not the Mexican kind. This was. You know, of course, you can do that too. You can yeah. add them, up, build little forts with them. But you know, that was what they they played. Yeah, with yeah. It's such wonderful memories. And, and Mary, I, you made a, a point that you were able to take part in your grandparents' world a little bit and learn some skills. But I think another point is they were able to take part in your world a little bit. That's and, right. And see something maybe here something about from your perspective and right. got to know you a lot better that way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, I, I learned my love of gardening from my grandparents and, you know, I would haul water buckets and uh, dig in the dirt with my grandfather and grandmother. And I learned how to compost from them back. Yeah. You know, we didn't have any fancy compost, um, contraption we just go dig a hole and bury those uh fruit and vegetables that you know the the seeds and the shells um in in the ground around the plants that was our fertilizer oh, yeah. we had yeah. we had a lot of that too yeah yeah all good memories all good memories but you know it was just them willing to play with me and take their time to sit with me and i'm trying to do that same thing with my grandchildren just 
have because they all love to play games. Great. Want to do is just be with us, so. right? And again, it's it doesn't cost very much. The no. the game we're not talking about electronic games. We're talking about just the plain old fashioned games. And right. um, you know, my my grandkids love to play hide and seek, and it's kind of fun. I mean, you know, they get oh. real creative with their hiding places, and not so creative sometimes. You know, <laughs> the two year old who just squats down and covers their eyes, but. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Mary, th- thanks so much for calling. I appreciate it. That was Domino's. Love that game. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going down to Dr. Gaudet's, um area, James in Lamar County. Hi, Lamar. Hi, James. Thanks for calling. Good morning. Um, you love, tell, tell us about the listening to stories. Yes, yeah, so when I was a child, uh, I had a relative, and he's still alive, uh, who was uh, a lawyer by trade, but he would gather us all around the fire uh, on the weekends, and we'd tell stories. And he was really good at telling scary stories. And I remember as a child, he told one story. He had a wisteria bush on his property, and he told the story of the wisteria man. And obviously, at first, it was all very scary, but... What I realized as an adult is that that little bit of fear from the stories as a child, if it works properly, in my case it did, I went up to the wisteria bush and I said, I won't be afraid of you. And I I challenged that fear. Uh Oh, wow. He sounds like an awesome individual. So are you a storyteller now, James? Did it affect uh, you? And yes, I, yeah. I, I have had a lifelong love of telling stories. Uh, I have a five-year-old niece that I, I try to write children's stories for, so I've, I've tried to carry that over. Not scary ones yeah. in my case. <laughs> but, but yes, yes, I have a profound respect for, for, for uh, the what can be done around a campfire with the imagination. Yeah. Again, just such simple times. Did when you were growing up, John, did you do um the outdoorsy thing and yeah. Yes, I we we had I went on camp outs and that sort of thing and and what I was thinking when James was telling his story was that that made an impression on you and and you acquired a skill you 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 were brave and faced down your fears and you used your imagination and and not to get too doctory on it but there are connections between the neurons of the brain that are taking place when those things are happening and and the the key behind it it was this interaction with an adult that adult yeah. was in your life and was participating in an activity that helped you create those connections and and that and and advance your development and and you've been right. able to turn around and do the same thing. Right. You know, something like storytelling and and listening to stories, reading together. We'll be talking more about that actually um later in the month uh because that is one of those areas that are so amazingly important hearing language sharing language talking to individuals sharing ideas it's it's part of our brain growth right mm-hmm. 
And I think people forget. And sometimes they think play is a waste of time <laughs> because you're you're not doing something constructive, but you really are what you're doing. And you, you brought it up. Thank you, Dr. Gaudet. You brought up the fact that you are building brains. Um, you are constructing a well-diversified brain and laying down those pathways for for the future. Just like James, your future, you know, I, what do you do for a living? I'm curious, James. Well, I'm actually currently getting my master's in business. Oh, very good. Well, so obviously, um, you know, okay, I'm going to just keep going for a minute on this on this thread. Um, uh, to get a master in business and and to be someone who is a business administrator has to be someone who knows how to interact with people um, and and lead people. You have to have a very good command of language to be able to do that. And so, again, I think uh, the basis of all of this is just good interaction um, so, James, thanks. You you let me say talk about one of my favorite topics. <laughs> and if I may say, I, I am new to the Hattiesburg area. I've only been here for about a year, and Doctor, it's a it's a wonderful community. It is. I agree. It is, and you know, it's a wonderful medical community. I've been mm-hmm. very very impressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great great bunch of pediatricians, and Doctor Gaudet is at the top of that list. All right, thanks, James. Well, we're going to stay on the phones. Let's go to Linda in Port Gibson. Hi, Linda. Thanks for calling. Hello. Yes. Yes. I'd like to uh, talk about the games that we played when I was young. I'm I'm 62, so uh, uh, we played teacher. uh, Right. And outside, we played mud cake. (laughs) Yeah. And mom and daddy. My brother would, you know, try to build a house with sticks and stones. And uh, my favorite game was Scrabble. And Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. And we played, uh, you know, we we had so much to do outside. Uh, you know, we, we just played many games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so you're, you know, everybody who's called in has talked about some outside activity. And yeah. un- unfortunately, we, we, our kids are inside way too much, um, watching television, mm-hmm. watching videos, playing video games. Not that they're bad. And that's all okay. And I like watching fun television shows. And I certainly listen to the radio a lot. But, I think what we need to remember is um, that we are losing some amazing opportunities to 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 learn and to learn about our environment, um, right? Wouldn't you agree, Doctor? I agree. I I think that the videos and the electronics are entertaining and very attractive to everyone. Uh, however, there's just not a lot of uh, learning, you know, the, back to those neural connections again, I think, uh, and, and you're not interacting and socializing with other people typically when you're using. And so, you know, a lot of parents are concerned they may not have a place for their child to go 
outside, which is why I think it's important for us to prioritize that and to preserve those spaces and have a place. And, right, right. Have a place for children to go. Right. Right. Every community needs to to have a safe place for children to go. And mm-hmm. and that is one complaint that I've heard in the past from some parents is just not having having those woods to walk through, mm-hmm. having those pastures to to build the roads in and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Right. Well, Linda, thanks. Thanks for giving thank you. sharing uh, your memories. OK. Thank um, you so much. All right. Thank you, Linda. I, I'm told that we need to go to our next break. And Peggy, hang on. We'll be right back with you. This is Relatively Speaking. We'll be right back. When I'm feeling sad, frustrated, or I'm mad, when no one understands my situation, I tell you what I do, and you can do it. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Oh, use your imagination. Think of what you can do. Use your imagination. That's just the thing to Welcome back. Use your imagination. That's what play helps you do. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, here with Dr. John Godet, and today we're talking about the value of play, unrelatively speaking. And uh, we've heard some great stories already, and we're going to go right back to the phones. We have um, Peggy in, um, is it Vidalia? Vahalia. Va- oh, Vahalia. Hi, thank you Hi. for calling in. Now, I am interested to hear what you have to say, Peggy, about being an instructor at camp. Well, I am a riding instructor, and in the summer we would do summer camps, which were about a week long. We would have children dropped off at the barn that had no idea that they were taking riding lessons. Their mothers, <laughs> because everybody worked, they were dropping their kids off. This week it would be riding lessons. Next week it would be uh, computers. Right. Next week it would be something else. And it's very similar to the fact that a lot of kids these days, Monday is riding lessons, Tuesday is music mm. lessons, Wednesday is dance, etc. They have no chance to get with their peers mm-hmm. and play right. and get dirty and use their imagination and find out who they like and who they don't like, who they can trust and who they can't trust, how to get dirty and not get in trouble for getting dirty, mm-hmm. getting mm-hmm. lost, 
falling off their horse. My daughter came tootling in the house one day, and she said they were laughing. And I said, what are you doing? This was three little girls. They said, we're riding spook. Well, what happened? Well, we fell off. Well, how did you fall off? Well, we put a blanket on Spook, and we climbed on, and the blanket slipped, and we all fell off. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what did Spook do? Oh, he just looked at us. (laughs) They came in. They got big glasses of Kool-Aid, because that's what everybody drank back then, and they went to and I said, where are you going? They said, oh, we're going out to ride Spook again. Yeah. So they had control of what they were doing. A lot of people go, oh, my gosh, that's so dangerous. Don't let the kid. They've got to do dangerous things, too. I mean, it's gotten to where you can't fall off a tricycle, that they don't put 14 million safety things on you. Falling off is how you learn not to fall off again. Peggy, do you remember a book that came out a few years ago called The Dangerous Book for Boys? No, I don't. Well, it was basically a lot of what you were just talking about, about, you know, games that you play or, or things that you can do where, you know, there may be an element of danger to them or maybe an, at least an element of uncertainty where, uh, and, and again, I'm not promoting danger, but uh, but I do think that, like like you say, there needs to be, that free play does need to have some element of randomness to it. As long as it's safe and that um, that there is supervision to the degree where the the child is not going to get themselves injured, but that is a lot of learning taking place in that type of play as well. It right. depends upon your age, the age of the child, obviously. Right. But I can tell you the number of times that I fell and got a scraped knee. I survived a scraped knee, and I learned how to balance on roller skates. I have ki- I know kids that have never ri- ridden on a bike, never roller skated, have no sense of balance, and they come and they want to take riding lessons. Right. On a 900-pound horse who's not going to hurt them, but they still have to have balance. Right, right, right. You have you have to practice. And, you know, the old if you don't lose it, use it, you lose it is so true because um, you can't you can't retain a skill if you never practice it. You can't develop a skill if you never try. And I dare say that that none of us maybe there's that perfect person out there, but most of us. The very first time we tried to roller skate or ice skate or ski or, um, you know, snow ski or water ski, we probably weren't great from the from the get go. And we probably did get a bruise or maybe maybe even a broken bone um, <laughs> doing something um, that that took that balance and skill set. But most of us, if we are allowed to continue can develop a, a skill set that we can be proud of. And so, um, yeah, letting our kids get out and try. And, and Peggy, you brought up um, another point that I just want to emphasize is the the overscheduling kids. And instead of letting them choose what their play is, parents are sometimes overchoosing what a child's play is. We, we limited our kids to how many um, planned activities they could do it you know it was 
no more than two. You could do dance and baseball, or you could do gymnastics and football, or you could do whatever. You know, it was it was limited. And I, I think parents are so terrified that their child might miss out on something, they're not allowing them to be kids in free play. Wouldn't you agree, John? I agree. And the overscheduling is, is, is expensive, too. <laughs> it's now, terribly now, Peggy, expensive. it sounds like you had a great camp there that you were – uh, a, a counselor for, but when you look at the tremendous costs of doing different uh, sports or planned activities, it's stressful and the, the parents are stressed and having to run around and do a lot of driving and the, and it's not child directed. I, I think that the unstructured play and the child directed play uh, also has great value. And a lot of people are even worried about, all these activities so they can get into a great college, you know, a decade from now or a great preschool even I've heard uh, discussions it's, about. It's gotten out of hand. It really has. Yeah. My first horse was a stick and his name was Diablo. <laughs> oh, right. A stick, right. A, pre, a pretend horse. Right. I love it. A pretend it. horse. Yeah, yeah. Th- Peggy, thanks so much for your call. This was great. I enjoy your program a lot. Oh, thank you. All right, we're going to stay on the phones uh, for one more. We have Pat and Pass Christiane. Now, you said you took kids on an adventure. Tell us about the adventure. Oh, thank you. All right, we're going to stay on the phone. Oh, Pat, turn your radio down, if you will. Uh, we're here in the delay. There's a little bit of a delay. Uh, turn it all the way down, and then tell us about your child's adventure. I had a nephew. Oh, Pat, turn your radio down, if you will. I can. I had kids who would uh, come every other weekend to my house with my sister. And, the re- and they would always ask how many friends did they bring, because one of the things that we always did was when they would come over, we would go to a large wooded area behind my house and pretend we were lost. And <laughs> one of the things that we did uh, was they would decide what the adventure was going to be for that uh, weekend. And on that adventure, they would just say, well, uh, they go around and we would have to find quote-unquote food and so we had berries back there and and they would make up the adventure and uh what were we going to do about being lost and so i carry that tradition on today and it's interesting because their children the minute that their children see me today the first thing they ask is can we go on an adventure
it's nice to see them self-driving it and making up a different story every time. And boy, can they come up with stories. Wonderful story. Pat, I really liked your story. And I wondered, do you think that it could be a generational thing? Like maybe I've always wondered if uh, the if grandparents maybe have the opportunities to take make those adventures happen and maybe the parents are uh, and I'm not talking about just specifically your kids, but that maybe the parents generation may be stretched in so many different directions. They're not able to participate in that. And, you know, I, I would say it's great that you at least have the opportunity to give your grandkids and their friends those adventures because right. it is hard. It's time consuming. Right. I mean, many, many of us have um, dual working mm-hmm. families, uh, two parents in the same home, um, but still both of them are working. And so many times it is the grandparents who give those incredible adventures like Pat did for her grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And so I think, um, Grandparents out there, I know um, we've had some already call this morning. Uh, Keep that in mind. Help your grandchildren learn how to enjoy that creative, imaginative, free play of doing the kinds of things like making a horse out of a stick, like um, uh, finding berries and pretending they're food, not eating them, but (laughs) (laughs) that kind of thing. Grandparents can be such a big part. I'd love to hear more stories. We're going to take our final break, and when we come back, we'll keep talking about the value of that outdoor free play loving nature and we'll talk about why that's important to our earth also we'll be right back hello i'm dr nancy lotridge anderson president of new perspectives a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of money talks For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Relatively Speaking. Thanks for being with us today. We're talking about play, the importance of play, how it helps with creativity, how it helps with brain growth, how that imaginative play um, helps you learn how to socialize better, to share better, and it actually helps a child's brain growth. 
Um, I'm here. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I'm here with Dr. John Gaudet. And um, during the break, I, I wanted us to, to touch on a couple of points that we haven't yet. Um, and, and he and I were just talking about a couple of things. I'll get back to why it's good for the earth. But first, I want us to talk about how, unfortunately, many times outdoor play, free play, imaginative play is the first thing people take away when they're trying to discipline a child. Um, For example, schools. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to target schools, and I know schools struggle with, well, heck, what can we do to Mm -hmm. discipline kids? We we don't spank anymore, hopefully. Uh, We don't spank in schools. Um, But and that's another topic <laughs> we won't get into. But um, but many times, if you have a child who is squirmy and, and inattentive, they'll do better if they're allowed to get outside and free play, jump up and down and get some of that energy out, right? I think so. Just like we've said about the brain growth, of course, you learn better. But, I mean, just... Getting out there and getting active, getting your blood pumping, and it's well known that those children are going to come in from that physical activity and be have be more prepared to sit down right. and learn. Right. And that if you if you take away the physical activity, they will probably be more fidgety or whatever it is that got them in trouble in the first place. Right. And they're also going to be learning less well and then be missing out. Of course, school is academics but it's also the other things the social you know the social interactions that you know right. they they i think they do need to have that physical activity Absolutely. I mean, you know, whenever people ask me, parents ask me about homeschool um, as to whether or not it's a bad or a good thing, I say homeschool's great. The The only issue with homeschool is that you have to make sure that you get the learning of socialization in mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. socializing outside of your family, outside of your siblings, how to deal with people who aren't like you. Mm-hmm. And so um, that is what allowing if if our schools are only schools for uh, that book learning and academic learning then we're not allowing the growth of learning how to work as a team learning how to interface with each other learning how to be creative together instead of separately i think that that interactive play is so very important to to knowing how to operate in the real world don't you Yes, and, and Susan, you, you kind of touched on a point I think is important, uh, that whether it's the other activities such as music or mm-hmm. sports uh, and uh, use the creative piece of it. It's almost been more, even kindergarten, when it was started many, many years ago, it was actually in Germany. It was actually a garden of children, kindergarten. It was mainly about play and mm-hmm. un, uh, and learning through play. And as time has gone on, the standards have made it such that academic rigor is take, is beginning to displace that playtime. Right, right. So, so we're here today trying to promote that um, we've got to stop focusing so hard on teaching to the test. Um, 
and forgetting the value of social interaction and social exchange. Now, let's, in the last couple of minutes that we have, I really want us to address why did Richard Louvre think that um, getting children out in the woods and out in nature, getting over that nature deficit disorder was so amazingly important for our earth. I think we can we can realize that, right? If you get out, I I played outside all the time. Um, I I truly played until I could not see outside and had to come in. Um, there were eight of us. My parents had to have us out of the house. Um, my my husband did the same thing. We both are avid gardeners. We love um, plants. Uh, we we um, are you know kind of maybe uh, laughed at almost by our friends and family because we're we're so invaded by our plants, but you've got to develop the love of nature to then take care of it. And so I would encourage everybody, you know, I was at Grandparents Day a couple of weeks ago with two of my grandchildren, and they each got a a little pine tree to take um, with their grandparents and then to plant. What a wonderful idea. We re- so so one it engaged in you know some activity with grandparents and grandchildren, but it also um, tried to work toward getting kids to understand how important it is to plant a tree to take care of our environment. And it teaches those lessons that the environment is something worth preserving, and and uh, you know I, our group, the American Academy of Pediatrics, has even passed resolutions and made statements about the importance of exposure to nature and how being outdoors is something that children should have access to. Um, and, and it doesn't even have to be, you know, like in the deep, deep woods or mountain climbing. It can just be outdoors. I mean, you can live in an urban setting and, and, and still be able to experience, uh, outdoors and at a park, nature. Yeah, mm-hmm. at a at a park. Again, um, we're speaking out uh, to all of our communities around the state and the surrounding states to don't forget to promote having green space for your families out there. So every community ought to be very proud and work very hard to have green space. So our time's up. I want to thank all of our callers for participating. I want to really thank Dr. John Gaudet from the Academy for being a great doc and a great child advocate. And uh, again, our listeners and callers, thank you so much for being here. Today's show is engineered by Michelle McAdoo, and our call screener was Liz Gill. Miss Gill, Liz Gill, um, Charlie's Angels Gill. <laughs> um, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking, and that you'll stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now. Coming up next on MPB Think Radio.